Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord by an in-depth study of the Word of God. So grab your Bible and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with today's message. With all that's going on, it's amazing that uh, we've made it to our ninth anniversary at Rock Harbor. And so we want to celebrate that. And so that's a big achievement, man, and uh, God just keeps continuing to open doors for us. He's provided a place for us to meet, even though we can't meet at the schools anymore, and so God just continues to watch out for us, protect us, and as long as we stay faithful and obedient to Him, He will continue to do that and uh, finally, hopefully, get our own place. But until then, we will just continue to survive as we are. We decided to have both ordinances today. And uh, if you're watching us online, you can watch us do our Passover Seder with the Lord's Supper. And we had baptism earlier this morning. We had five people get baptized, which was great and awesome, man. So we're pumped up about that. And so I thought, well, let's do the Lord's Ordinance as well. So my message will be a little bit shorter today, so we can have time to do that. But again, I want you to think about this. We're able to observe both ordinances today, even though we're supposed to be shut down. And so God bless you guys for coming today. Amen? Good deal. All right. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Exodus chapter 9. We're going to be focusing on one particular part of Exodus in this chapter that has to do with Pharaoh's interaction with Moses. And Pharaoh's just going to flat out lie to Moses, just like our society is lying to us and many people around the world are lying to us getting people to believe their narrative and believe their lie. But Moses won't go for it. And so what we're going to learn from Moses' interaction is what we're supposed to do during these periods of time. Folks, I've told you many, many times that we're in the last days, and one of the hallmarks of the last days is ongoing deception. And the deception is getting worse and worse, and more and more people are buying into the deception And unfortunately, that's the way it has to go. It's predicted. But we are supposed to be watchers on the wall and to discern this and then get out the truth to people about what's happening. And so we're going to take our cues from Moses, but understand we're entering a very difficult time. And if you do not know the truth, if you do not know the prophetic scenario, if you don't know the facts and evidence behind everything they say out there, you're going to be lulled to sleep by deception. And like many people we're watching get put to sleep thinking that everything's going to be okay. We're going to enter into a new normal and everything's going to be fine. This is going to be wonderful. We're going to create a utopia and and we'll eliminate all these diseases and, and, and such as that. And folks... The truth of the matter is, they are heading for a direction. They, are, they have an agenda, and they're going to get it accomplished, because according to Scripture, the Scripture predicts that they will. And so we need to be cognizant of that, aware of that, and so we'll pick up on, you know, the principles that we learned from Moses today. Now, what I gave you is a handout, and again, you can just put this in your Bible as a reference And what I did is I I wanted to give you how the cycles of the judgments of the ten plagues of Egypt are going. And you can see as they they continue to progress, they get worse and worse, the intensity increases. 
and that there are certain characteristics of the ten plagues of, of Egypt that I want to make note of. The first one is disruptions. Their personal lives get disrupted. The second thing is destruction starts happening to their world, to their economy. And, and so it's, it's, it just continues to get progressively worse, but it doesn't harm them f- as far as physical death. They're still kept alive. So that's an act of mercy and grace. And then in Plague 7 and 9, which we're in right now, you start seeing desolation. Desolation, and the intensity increases. What desolation means is that God will ruin certain things, their economy, their land, the water, whatever it is. He just ruins it, and then it moves into death as the last plague. That being the case, what I want you to see is we're in plagues 7 and 9. I'm going to talk a little bit about plague 7 just as a recap, but we're in the desolation time. And that means that God is ruining certain things in Egypt. So I want you to use that as a reference as we go through this, and it shows you where the attacks are coming from. If you're online, if you'd like to get that handout, just email us. We'll email you that handout as we distribute it among our congregation. You too can have that handout as well. So with that being stated, one of the things we learn from God's judgment is the principles in it. And the principles can be applied to today. That God, through these judgments on Egypt, is trying to wake them up. Trying to get their attention before it gets too bad. And I think that's what the Lord is doing with our world today. He's trying to get our, our attention. Saying that something really bad is coming called the tribulation. And I want to get your attention. And so, the things that are happening now. The shutdown. The economic shutdown. The coronavirus shutdown is to get our attention. And as we see the things develop, hopefully we can take that truth out and help people. But anyway, let me do a little recap, and then we'll get into the main part of the lesson today. But let's start in verse 22 of chapter 9. We'll do a little bit of recap, just so that we know what context we're in. It says this in verse 22, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, no, on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. So again, this is recapping. I'm not going to go too much in detail because we, we studied this last week, but we just want to set the stage for what's about to happen. Verse 23, And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground. And the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So this hail has fire and lightning attached to it. So it's just not only pounding Egypt, it's setting the place on fire, like what we went through with these California fires. In verse 24, so there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And I talked about last week, it it was unprecedented for the Egyptians, and the things we're seeing in our world are unprecedented. Earthquakes, storms, Uh, different things that we're seeing, the the shutdown, the economy. These are all unprecedented. We've never seen these things before. That's supposed to get people's attention. And anyway, it goes on. uh, And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. So it's ruining Egypt, okay? But look, look at this in verse 26. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. And that's a principle I'm keeping reiterating because the Bible keeps reiterating this, that God separated out Israel from the Egyptians. 
So Israel was not getting the plagues, but Egypt was. So God knows how to separate out his believers from, his, from unbelievers. And he will do the same thing with us. Now, we could get affected as a secondary uh, way with judgments happening to America or the world. So, for instance, you know, if we go to a digital currency, you're going to have a secondary effect happen to you. But God is not directly putting judgment on you and I because we're under no condemnation since we're in the Messiah. And so we can get affected secondarily, but God says, I will provide your needs through this all. And I I wanted to keep emphasizing that as the scriptures do, that it's not a time to be afraid. God will take care of us. No matter what happens to us, he will provide and take take care, care of us like he did with Israel. Now, one of the things I talked about last week, and I want to make a connection with the current world, is the specific fallen angels or the specific demons in which this hailstorm was targeting. We not only know it's targeting the Egyptians and Pharaoh, but it's also targeting these creatures that God made called fallen angels or demons that the Egyptians worshipped. Isn't it funny that the higher-ups in the globalist society and and the politicians, we now find out many of them are involved in the occult. We shouldn't be shocked to see that, but many are involved in satanic practices, witchcraft, and whatnot. And so none of us should be shocked by that because that's what was happening in Egypt. The magicians, the sorcerers, Pharaoh, all of them were involved in demonic behavior, and fallen angel activity behavior. So it's, it's a very evil time. Well, anyway, some of these gods that it attacked was the god Nut, Isis, Seth, and Shu. Now, I'm not going to get into specifics about them, but what I want to point out, these were the sky gods of the Egyptians. Now, what is the big deal about the sky gods? Well, notice that the hail is coming from the sky, the fire and lightning is coming from the sky, from God, and the sky gods, all these, the, these four gods that I mentioned, can't stop it. They are impotent to stop what God is doing. So it, God is showing them that, that they're, they're not like him, they're, that he is very different. Okay, so the parallel that if you bring that out of Egypt to today, how is God trying to get our attention with the same principle? Think about this. He attacked the sky gods. Now, what came from the sky gods in Egypt was the rain, the water, the weather. Um, their way of life came from the sky, you know, and, and we, all, we talked about the Nile and, and things of that nature, but they depended on the sky gods for the seasons. So in an agrarian society, that was heavily depended upon on those seasons that the sky gods supposedly uh, gave them. Okay. The principle, though, is they're dependent on things from the sky. So if you bridge that over to today, and what the tribulation will target is the sky gods, so to speak, but will target the things we receive from the sky. Now, if you look at the tribulation judgments, what will happen is uh, there's droughts. God will affect the weather. The weather gets disrupted, the whole atmosphere gets destroyed, and in destroying the atmosphere of planet Earth, guess what is in our atmosphere that we survive on to get around? We use our phones, our GPS, our internet, 
Everything is connected to the satellites around our planet. But what happens with God, through the tribulation judgments, knocks them all out by causing this cataclysmic disaster with our atmosphere. We as a society would stop functioning. We couldn't function. That's what happened to the Egyptians. They couldn't function any longer. And that's where this is heading. So the tribulation, again, the tribulation is foreshadowed by the plagues of Egypt. They point forward. And so what's going to happen is as we get more internet connected, and Bill Gates and Elon Musk want to put up all these satellites for the third world so that we, all of us can be interconnected, have a digital currency on our phones, and then they can track everybody on the planet through this digital currency whatnot. That's coming. But guess what? The tribulation will shut it all down. It'll be like a massive EMP goes off all over the world when God disrupts things and shuts the whole system down. So as people worship technology and they worship their computers, their phones, they say the average person touches their phone 75 times a day. They're always checking their stuff, always checking social media and whatnot. They're addicted to the phones. Have you noticed that people are addicted to phones? So what happens when God shuts the whole system down? And it's going to go in crisis mode. So that's coming. And so one of the principles we take from this is we should be warned to be, as a society, so dependent on Internet connection, so dependent on clouds and whatnot, because the same thing that happened to the Egyptians is going to happen to the world in the tribulation. I wanted to connect that dot, and now I want to move into the crux of the matter. And the issue is between Moses and Pharaoh, and I want us to see this because I want you to see how Pharaoh tries to lie and Moses doesn't believe it. This is the key to understanding how we go into the last days, okay? It says this in verse 27. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. Wow, I can't believe he's admitting a sinner. He's going along with the sinner's prayer, it looks like. The Lord is righteous. Wow, he admits that. And my people and I are wicked. Wow, this guy's getting ready to get saved. He's having a come to Jesus moment, isn't he? Seems like. But something else is brewing. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more thundering in hell, for it is enough. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Today, Moses... You guys get out of here. You're all good, man. You're right. I'm wicked. God's right. It sounds like Pharaoh had a change of heart. Sounds like he's repenting. But what you will find out, this is plague seven. Guess how many plagues they will go through? Ten. Then the Red Sea parting. So knowing that <laughs> there's going to be ten plagues in the Red Sea parting, and he's going to pursue them into the Red Sea, what's going on here? He's lying. Like a good politician, he lies. They say what you want, they want that, that they know you want to hear, but then behind them, they're crossing their fingers saying, I ain't telling the truth. I'm just going to tell them what they want to hear. And this is the crux of the matter. Now, let me give a few principles and application on this before we move any further. He's lying to get relief. That's what he's doing. And by the way, that's the first agenda 
But the overarching agenda is he's not about to let the Hebrews go because he's using them for slave labor and he wants to annihilate all of them. If you look at Hitler and marry that with Pharaoh, marry that with Haman, evil Haman, you will get the agenda real quick. These guys are satanically inspired to wipe out the Jews. And that's Pharaoh's real intent. He wants to kill every one of them. But he's not going to come out and say that. So he just, he, he, he spiritualizes things. And he'll say, you know, hey, you know, they're growing too numerous. We've got to do something about this. You know, kill the babies. We can't let them grow too, too much. That's basically like Planned Parenthood saying, have abortions. Right? That's the agenda. Kill the babies. Reduce the population. So, that, so Pharaoh's all about that. And so you have to know that going in. Pharaoh's already shown his hand. He's propagandized the Hebrews. And he said, look, guys, these Hebrews, they're multiplying, but they're going to turn on us like a sheep-killing dog. And they're going to come after us and take us over as a nation. We can't let that happen, folks. We are under an existential threat or an internal threat, I should say. And, and, and we got to do something about it. And so the Egyptians believe the propaganda. You're right. we got to do something. And so they were helping destroy the Hebrew babies and enslaving the Jews, just like Germany was in World War II. How was Hitler able to convince an entire nation to do that? The same as Pharaoh was able to convince the Egyptians to turn on the Jews. It's by lies scapegoating the Jews, making up a narrative that doesn't exist but works in their favor, the Egyptians' favor or the Germans' favor for that point. Okay, several principles I want to bring out. Notice in the text right here, let's show that text again, that Pharaoh believes facts, or at least states facts, I should say. He says, the Lord is righteous, I have sinned, my people are wicked, those are right statements, right? I mean, he's, he's right. God is righteous. He's making the right statements, which that is very subtle. That is hard for people to pick up in our modern day times. They think just because someone says what they want to hear, then they must be on their side. Be very careful about someone telling you what you want to hear, especially someone that you don't know especially someone where you know their political stance and where they're coming from. If they tell you what you want to hear, they're probably lying to you because that's what he's doing. And again, this will be the hallmark of going into the last days of understanding this. People will tell you what you want to hear. So for instance, the propaganda that's going on today is telling people things that they want to hear. For instance... We'll give you peace and safety if you just shelter yourself and have the churches not meet. But, oh yes, Costco and Walmart and Target can be open and, and liquor stores can be open, but the churches can't. Or, or we're going to shut the schools down for teacher safety or kids' safety. That all sounds good, doesn't it? But there's no basis in reality. There's no facts behind that to back that up. By the way... The shutdown of the schools, it's a joke, a complete joke. There's not one case in the entire planet 
where a child or a kid has given the coronavirus to an adult. Not one. I heard that stat this week. And yet, the teachers come out and say, you're killing us. You're gonna, you want to kill us by going back to school. 99% people recover from the coronavirus, except those who have preconditions or the elderly. So why are they not going back to school? They say it's for public safety. But you know the funny thing about these people? Just like Pharaoh. Eventually, Pharaoh will reveal his hand. He'll reveal by his behavior and some of the things he says what his real intentions are. Have you heard the National Education Association? Largest union in the United States. It is the most corrupt union. You know there's pockets all over our world, all over California, that the NEA controls. It's particularly the union in L.A. And you know what the L.A. teachers union and all these, some of these other unions are saying? You want to kill us by putting us back in the classrooms. But then when they say, we will not go back in the classrooms until we have universal health care. We will not go back into the classrooms until you defund the police. I don't know how that works with kids. Do they really love the kids or they want to defund the police and have universal health care? What does it have to do with teaching? Oh, it's a union demand, isn't it? It's a polit political agenda. You see what I'm saying? Oh, we love the children. We love them so much, we won't want to put them in harm's way. But just give us universal health care and we'll go right back. Their actions and their words betray them. They're liars. And you must be aware of this. Other things that's going on. They're attacking a free market system. The free market system is based on biblical values. That's what made America so successful. But now they're saying, that's racist. You can't be doing that. That's racist. That's greedy. So we got to go to a more equal system, an equal system that gives equal outcomes. Excuse me, that's Marxism. That's socialism. But see, in America, they hate our free market system because it's based on biblical principles, the Protestant work ethic and things like that, work hard, save money, invest into the future. They don't like that as a Marxist, so they come to destroy it. So when they say capitalism is greedy, don't believe them. They're liars. They want Marxism. And by the way, name any country in the world who's ever tried Marxism or communism and tell me how it's worked out for them. How about the recent example of Venezuela? How did that end? It ended with the people starving to death eating zoo animals. That's it and whatever they could scrounge around. How's that working for China? Would you like to live in China? Any of these communist socialistic regimes? No, but they want to put it here, saying it's better for people, right? And people believe this. By the way, the younger generation believe this nonsense. They hook, line, and sinker. And why should we be surprised? They've been educated through our public school systems for 12 years. Of course they're socialists. Of course they think that's fair. See, that's a lie. How about this? The lie of Black Lives Matter. Oh, this is for racial justice. No, it's not, because when I read their, their thing online, it says they're for Marxist revolution. The founders are uh, related to the Black Panthers. But they, they say they're for race. But you know what? When you read their documents, you know what they're really targeting? The nuclear family. Yeah, the nuclear family. 
I looked on a sheet put out by the African Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., and they put out a list of what white privilege was. It's not what you think. They say, this is embedded racism, systemic racism in the United States. And I went through all the points they had on that white privilege handout. I put a scripture next to every point. Every point that they made that says that's white privilege, every point they were attacking a particular principle in the Bible. Like, they attacked the Protestant work ethic. That comes from the Bible. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. They said that's white privilege. They also said the nuclear family is white privilege. They also said Christianity is white privilege. They said that on their document. Christianity is white privilege. Yeah. Individualism is white privilege. What does the Bible say about individualism? You're responsible for your life. If you mess it up, that's on you. If you go into a ditch because you made poor life decisions, that's on you. They don't like that. They say that's not right. Well, it's biblical. What does the Bible say about that? You will reap what you sow. They don't like that. So what you start realizing is it's not about race. It's about attacking Christianity in America to bring it down. I laugh about people when they say these teachers' unions are there for the kids. I read a quote. Now check this out. This is a quote from the National Education Association, the General Counsel, Bob Kanin's farewell address back in 2009. And you know the funny thing about these people? You watch their behavior, but eventually they slip out with what their real agenda is. Check out what he said. Do you think the National Education Association is about kids? Look what he said. It is not because we care about children. And it is not because we have a vision of a great public school for every child. You're supposed to be about kids, I thought. Oh, no. He goes on and says, the NEA and its affiliates are effectively advocates because we have power. And what are you going to do with that power? Then he explains. It's like one of those slip-ups or the, hey, don't say that. What do you do with that power, NEA? Well, we stress with that power that the actions that we have will foster such a tension that people who scorn us will have to listen and will have to negotiate. Oh, oh, that's what you're about. Power, not about children. Now, I'm not saying there's not good teachers and not Christian teachers. I'm not saying that at all. My wife's a teacher, for goodness sake. But I'm telling you, the system is broke. It's corrupt. That's what it is about. I'm going to tell you this, and I've never said this in nine years. But after watching this stupid school online and watching these administrators and principals not get their heads screwed on straight all summer long, it has turned into a disaster. Day one. I cannot recommend the public schools anymore. They are out of their minds. And talk to any of our teachers in our congregation. They will echo the same thing. It is a complete disaster. you got people hacking in on Zoom, doing pornographic things, saying stupid things. They didn't even, the ITs didn't figure out how to prevent hacking. And yet we have all these innocent kids on there, and they're being hacked. You better figure out something else for your kids and grandkids. Whether it's homeschool, a hybrid, private school, I don't know. But if you continue to go to public school, you're not going to get an education whatsoever. They do not know what you're doing. And think about the ridiculousness of putting a kindergarten four or five hours in front of a computer and thinking he's going to pay attention. Have you seen kindergartners? They have wiggles. And you have to give them recess to get the wiggles out. That's why they have wiggles time. 
but you, we're gonna put a kindergarten in front of a computer screen for five hours. Cuckoo, did you not do child development? What's wrong with you? Wow. This is what we're talking about. The global warming, oh, we're gonna die, it's gonna burn up because of your stupid SUV that you drive. Your SUVs are, are poisoning in the air. By the way, that carbon emission was, is plant food, by the way, and yet it's a poison now. That's a hoax, it's a lie. What was behind it? Money. Because you know what the, uh, behind it is? Global taxation on carbon emissions. That's what it's behind it. The UN needs money for the global government, and the way they figured out to do it is by taxing companies and businesses and countries to get that revenue in. That's what that's about. But they said, you know what, you're destroying the planet. And so Greta Thunberg, their prophetess, comes out and says, you guys need to stop driving your SUVs and ride a bike. No, thank you, Greta. We'll not be listening to you anytime soon because your facts and evidence don't ma measure up. Is there warming? Yes, because that's usually due to the sun. And by the way, it takes one volcano to destroy any carbon emissions we would ever save. A volcano will emit so many carbon emissions, anything we do for 30 or 40 years, the volcano will wipe out in one day. Why don't they talk about that? Boy, they should put a ban on volcanoes. But see, you can't tax a volcano. They can only tax you and me. It's lies. And folks, it's getting thicker and thicker, the lies they keep perpetrating. How about the coronavirus? It's a real virus, no doubt. But is it as dangerous as they portrayed it to be? No, the facts and evidence don't point to that. Most people are asymptomatic, 99% recover, and it only affects those with preconditions and who are elderly. It doesn't affect children very much, at all, hardly. They say there's not one California case of any teenager dying from it. Not one. And yet we want to shut down the whole educational system of our world. This is Pharaoh. Do you understand what, what Pharaoh represents? He's a liar because he serves the father of lies. And these people in our community, in our society, in our culture, and around the world are following the father of lies. They have to lie. You have to, you, when you press them and you ask for evidence and facts, what do they do? They just get mad and call you a name. You're anti-science. Really? We'll talk more about this in the application. But let's continue on. Watch Moses' reaction to the liar. Verse 29. So Moses said to him, as soon as I have gone out of, the, out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord, and the thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. And I'm, again, I, I drilled into that last week. It's the idea that God owns the, all the territories, not these fallen angels who are territorial spirits. But anyway, God, God owns the whole planet. Verse 30. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not fear the Lord. Bingo. Cuts right through the lie. How does Moses know he's lying? Because he's, man, he's giving the sinner's prayer. This guy's having to come to Jesus, maybe. Maybe he's going to come to faith in Yahweh. But Moses knows he's lying. How does Moses know? Does he have some super, uh, uh, super intellect or, or he knows what's going on in Pharaoh's heart? No. The reason Moses knows he's lying goes back to the burning bush. God told Moses he will not believe you. 
he will not repent. He will never come from this position. In fact, his heart will get harder and harder as you go. So the fact that Pharaoh's sitting there spilling out lies, your God is righteous, I'm evil, let it go. I'll let you guys go. Moses knows he's a liar. Why? Because Moses knows the word of God. And that's it right there. The way you and I are going to navigate through these dark times is we better know the word of God. And specifically, you better know prophecy. Because right now, it's all the stage setting you could imagine. Everything's getting ready for the tribulation. The stage is being set. The tribulation is casting a shadow on our times. And because of that, those who know prophecy, the word of God, are able to navigate through this period of time and are able to see lies, know what agendas are, and understand where this is going because God has said, this is where it heads. It heads to a global government. It heads to a digital currency. It heads to a global religion. It's all going there. And this lawlessness that you're seeing on the streets, Portland, how come no one's doing anything about it? These governors or mayors are letting it happen because you know why? Not only are they impotent and useless, there's a spiritual component to this, folks. The spiritual component is talked about by Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That the spirit of lawlessness is already at work. Even though the lawless one hasn't come yet, I think the lawless one's probably alive, but we, he won't be revealed until after the rapture. But nonetheless, as you're seeing what's happening in our country and around the world, lawlessness is creeping into every part of our society. Think about this. Some crazy person, and I can't remember what mayor it was, and some official came out and said, look, told the cops this. Before you arrest somebody that's looting in a store, you discern whether or not they needed it. And if they needed it, don't arrest them. Excuse me, what, what, what world are we in? Is this bizarre world? Did I step out of, you know, a, a different planet? And I'm on Mars right now, and these are just aliens pretending to be humans? Who in, in their right mind would tell the police, don't cuff them, don't send them in. If they needed the shoes from Nike when they broke into the Nike store in Portland, let them have the Nikes. Lawlessness. That's a, that, that is so satanic, folks. That's just not some numbskull doing that. That is spiritual. That is satanic. Now, I would say the person is a useful idiot for Satan, because that's what they're being used as for Satan. They're pawns in his game. But only someone would talk like that if the father of lies has already put that in their head. That's the world we're living in. Scary, isn't it? But the only way to navigate is through God's word. What did he say? What did he say they would try to do? And it's happening right in front of our very eyes. That being the case, let's return back to what Moses is going to say. Verse 31. Now the flax and the barley were struck, and the barley was in the head, and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crops. Now, why did Moses throw that in there? Why throw that incidental in there? Because he's trying to show you God's grace and mercy in the midst of judgment. Yes, the hell hit the barley and the flax. So we already know the timing of this. It's February, early March. We know eventually the death of the firstborn is going to come, and we know it's going to happen uh, in Nisan, which is April. 
So we're that close to the death of the firstborn. So it's February or Marchish, somewhere in that neighborhood, when the hell hits. But what's the point? God is issuing mercy and grace to the Egyptians saying, I'm giving you another chance. I'm giving you another chance. I'm not going to destroy all your crops. I'm just going to destroy two parts of your crops. But I will allow the wheat and the other crop, the late crops, not to be struck. I'm offering mercy here. And God is doing that right now. He's getting people's attention and saying, please come to me. Come to faith in my son now before it's too late. Hurry, hurry. Get on the, tr- get on the, the, the rescue boat right now. And I hope people pay attention to that warning because he is offering grace and mercy. It's not all judgment. Verse 33. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain was not poured on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, guess what he did? Got on his knees and accepted Jesus Christ. What did the liar do? It says it right there. He's a liar because he went back and sinned. He sinned yet more. The behavior points out that he's lying. And he hardened his heart, and he and his servants, so he, he didn't have a come to Jesus. He got worse because he was lying. So the heart of the Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Just as a reminder, if anyone forgot, I told Moses he wouldn't repent. And look what he did. He even got harder. That's amazing. And that's where the application that I want to go into. When you are dealing with a culture that we're dealing with, we're dealing with a culture that's full of lies. They'll say that our country is not a Christian nation. Baloney. Read any of the founders. 54 of the 56 signers to the Constitution were hardcore Christians. They derived the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution off of three main books that were all Christian Enlightenment books. And they want to say, well, we're just a secular country based on Enlightenment. No, we're not. Because the three books they drew on, Montesquieu, Locke, and I can't remember the other guys, were all Christian philosophers. For goodness sake, they drew on those and they, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution came out of those Christian books. And they said, we're not, a, we're not a, a Christian nation. When Barack Obama went out and said, we're not a Christian nation, he's lying. Why do they want to divorce us from our foundations? Because there's an agenda. The Marxists and communists, the globalists know the one thing stopping America from going over the cliff is Christianity. And if they can eliminate it, we're gone. And by the way, is their plan working? Oh, yeah, it's working. Fewer and fewer generations are Christians anymore. But again, all comes back to lying. Now, how do we discern a liar? How do we discern that they're lying to us? Because they're going to have more of these things pop up in front of us. Well, again, goes back to knowing the Word of God, knowing the prophetic Word of God in the times we live. So we hang on the Scriptures big time. But what happens if they're saying stuff, medical things, science things? What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to dig for the answer, look for the truth, look for the facts, and look for the evidence. That's what the book of Proverbs would tell us to do, is seek the wisdom and facts out. Don't just trust what someone says. Seek it out yourself. Now, here's what's curious. We live in a time where the most information is available to us via the Internet. Now, there's obviously a lot of junk on the Internet, but 
If you've been around long enough, you know what the good sites are. You know where the good news feeds. And if you don't know, I'll send out an email to you, and I'll give you all the the hundreds of news feeds and and biblical sites. I have it all on a paper with the hyperlinks to them. So if you want that, I'll send it to you via email. But all that information is available to study coronavirus, global warming, anything you can talk about, vaccines. You can all research that. But yet... No one researches it. It's available to people, and they don't research it. It's just they just want to listen to somebody talk and then go with it because it fits their narrative. Why are they not researching what these people say? Why did they just take it on prima facie? Why? I don't know. Maybe they're lazy, or maybe they like that. They like that narrative. They don't want to admit that the Bible's right. I don't know. There could be a myriad of reasons But I'm telling you, there's a reason why people are not investigating anything anymore. It's unheard of. It's ridiculous. But that's how they're getting deceived. Okay, a couple things. Liars always promise things, but they don't deliver. Like Pharaoh, he promised to let them go, but he never did. So be careful when you're listening to somebody. When they're telling you something... Watch and see if they really do it. Give them some time, and if they really are going to do it, they'll do it. But as you will notice, the behavior will reveal what they're really up to. Just like I told you about the teachers' union, they don't want to go back until they have certain political things. That behavior right there, that statement right there, tells me that they're lying. They don't love kids. This is about political things. That's what you have to discern. The other thing is give them enough time, give them enough time, not only will it show up in their behavior, they will let it slip out. And it's funny. These people, they'll get in front of the camera or they they turn the mics off and they're still talking and the mic's hot still and they think they're not being filmed like Obama. Remember Obama, he thought the mics were off and they were still on. He was in Russia talking to Medvedev, the president of Russia at that time. And he says, when I get into my second term, I'm going to have more freedom. What did he mean by that? Well, this is funny. One of the things that liars do is they accuse you of the very thing they're doing. So it's funny that they accused Russia collusion of Trump. But then when you look back on the Obama era, that that little discussion he had with Medvedev ended up being a secret deal with the Russians about Uranium One. The Clintons were getting all kinds of money. People are getting paid off millions of dollars from Russia to sell production of U.S. enriching of uranium. The deal was cut with Russia to get 20% of U.S. production of uranium. We sold it to them eventually. No one hardly knew this. And then uh, I guess eventually they only got about 11% out of it. But talk about Russian collusion. Why would we sell our uranium to Russia, our enemy. And they accuse someone else of Russian collusion? Huh. You've fallen right into the principle. You accuse others of what you do yourself. I find it amazing. I've counseled for nearly 20 years now. Someone will come in the council and says, my, my husband or my, my spouse is cheating on me. Okay, I investigate, and guess what? The person who accused the husband or the spouse of cheating on it was the very one committing adultery. Why did they do that? Why did they deflect? Why did they do that? That's, it's part of a liar's game. 
And a liar like Pharaoh will always promise you and they say, I, I'm sorry, man, I, I'll get my life straightened out. How many times have you heard that from an addict? I promise, this is the last time. This is the last time I'll do it this is again. It is, please, please. And it seems like they're having a come to Jesus moment, isn't it? Pharaoh, I'm wrong. And what, the, what happens a month later, two months later, three months later? The addict goes back into the addiction. I promise this time I'll go to Betty Ford. I promise this time I'm, I'm going to go to whatever. And it never stops. That's what liars do. Liars take that which is not true and make it true. Hitler showed this, so did, e so did Egypt and Pharaoh. You tell a lie, a lie big enough and often enough, and what do people do? They believe it. So like the global warming hoax, man-made global warming, people believe it now. It's like it's, it's golden in, 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 in high school and junior high. Everyone's, you know, we're going to fight this by picking up a bottle or fight this by picking up a... No, no, no. That's wrong. Or how about this? The other thing liars will do is take something that's true but exaggerate it beyond what it's doing. So like Pharaoh, he said the Egyptians are multiplying and then he tacked on and they're going to kill us. They're going to invade us. So with this whole coronavirus thing, it's real, but they, Fauci and the rest of those guys have taken it to so extreme that we think that if we walk outside, we're going to die. And everyone's like that. Everyone's panicked about it. But the numbers don't add up. We've, we've had enough time to see the numbers, and yet it doesn't add up. Why do they do that? It's to make people believe their lie through fear. And that's happening today. Or how about this? When they're given a lie out, and you're not buying the lie, do you know what they'll do to you? They'll name call you. Well, you just don't believe in science. You're a racist. The fact that you want borders. How racist and xenophobic is that, that you want borders around the United States? <laughs> can't believe you're so racist. You must be one of those Christians who are nothing but racist. No, we want borders not to hurt people. Borders are biblical. After the Tower of Babel, God established nations. And he established those nations for a reason. So that it would prevent a one world government, which is exactly where they're going with all of this. We want to believe in United States sovereignty because it's biblical. We do not want to melt in with the UN and become one conglomerate global region. That's unbiblical. But yet, if I hold the biblical view, I'm racist. That has nothing to do with not wanting people in America. We're a country of immigrants, aren't we? Every one of us has ties where our immigrants came in. This is called the melting pot. So what are they trying to do? They want globalism. And if you don't want globalism, then you're a racist. That's how the game is played. Now, folks, I could go on and on, but I got to stop. The point is we're entering into a period of time that if you're deceived, you're going to be lullabied to sleep like most of our country is. They have no clue what's happening. Let me show you a picture here. This is Payne Stewart's Learjet. Payne Stewart was a professional golfer, and he died in 1999. I was actually friends with the Bible study pastor that led his group, and in that Bible study group was Payne Stewart and Oral Hershiser and a bunch of other professional athletes in First Baptist Orlando. So I got to meet their pastor, and he, he told us over lunch what happened to Payne. 
He had come to faith in Christ, gave his life to Christ, and, he, and then he brought that on the golf course and, and used to wear a bracelet of what would Jesus do on, in, uh, when he played golf. He beat Mickelson one time in a dra- dramatic finish. Anyway, what happened one day was Payne and, and, and a lot of his traveling guys were on this Learjet, and they took off and everything was fine. And they got up to altitude and they were cruising, and then the, uh, the towers lost radio contact with their airplane. But they saw the plane just going, cruising along. They, they could see it on radar, but couldn't make contact. So one of the places uh, talked to the, to the, I think it was the United States Air Force or maybe the Navy. I'm not sure which one it was. They scrambled two jets to find out what was going on because they had no radio contact, but it was cruising. The two jets came up to the Learjet and came like within 50 feet so they could see what was going on in the cabin. And so imagine that. They're right there looking at the, at the jet. The jet was on autopilot, apparently. They looked and they could see inside the cockpit. No one was at the cockpit. And the, the windows were iced over. So the two fighter jets says, we, we think that the cabin has depressurized and they're all unconscious in that plane. And the pilot said it was the most emptiest feeling they could ever feel because they saw this jet cruising on autopilot and there's nothing they can do. And all they knew that was going to happen is eventually that Learjet's going to run out of fuel and it's going to do a nosedive in some part of the country. So they followed it and all the people on board were unconscious. Thank God for this. And that Learjet finally ran out of fuel and it did a nosedive in, I think, South Dakota, I believe it was, and killed everybody at that point in time. And so I remember him recounting the story and how, how it went, and it was just awful. It was a tragedy that happened like that. It's almost sickening to, be, to think that they were unconscious on a plane that was going to go down. Ugh, hard to imagine. That right there is our society. They're in a Learjet. They're unconscious because of being lulled to sleep by deception, and they're heading in a direction, and that thing is going to nosedive, and not in South Dakota, it's going to nosedive right straight into the tribulation. Our job is to get a hold of these people before they get on board, to tell the truth to them, to explain who Jesus is, to tell them what's happening prophetically so they don't get lulled to sleep by deception and go on autopilot and sail right into the tribulation. So we have our work cut out for us, folks. We need to be about our Father's business. Let's pray. Thanks for downloading the Anchor Podcast. We hope this study was a blessing to you. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Rock Harbor Church Prophecy Update, where we focus on signs of the times and present a wide range of sermons and discipleship lessons. So until next time, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.